listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the ACB Advocacy Update. I am your host, Clark Rockfall, ACB's Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs. Just want to say thank you to everyone who is streaming and downloading this podcast via your favorite podcast player, as well as everyone listening over the ACB Media Network. As always, you can find out more information about the American Council of the Blind by visiting our website, acb.org. And if you have any advocacy-related questions, you can reach out to the team at the National Office by emailing advocacy at acb.org. Well, before we jump into uh, this uh, long-awaited and uh, much-teased conversation with Greg Stilson, head of Global Technology Innovation for the American Printing House for the Blind, APH, uh, I've got to do another shameless plug for this year's DC Leadership Conference. As stated last week, registration is now open this is just some of the information you can find out by visiting acb.org. Or if you need some assistance, please reach out to us at advocacy at acb.org. Uh, but again, this is in early March with the virtual portion of the conference consisting of the president's meeting as well as the legislative seminar to be held March 4th through March 7th. And then that will be followed by the in-person live and in-person portion of the D.C. Leadership Conference, Thursday, March 9th through Sunday, March 12th. And our host hotel is the Hilton Alexandria Old Town in Alexandria, Virginia, just a short stone's throw from the Reagan National Airport, as well as Washington, D.C., I'm really excited for this year's leadership conference. You know, the virtual portion, that's that's our bread and butter, right? That's what we know and love. That's the president's affiliates meetings where uh, members and committees and affiliates are able to share what's working, what's not working, uh, give advice to one another and help our organization become stronger for the days and years ahead. And the legislative seminar, that's our public policy. That's our advocacy. That's what ACB does from uh, the individual members to the affiliates to the committees on up to the national office. The really exciting part, though, and something that is a bit different than years past, is the in-person portion, where we are making it as experiential, as hands-on uh, as possible to really create that value for all of you who are spending your time and treasure uh, with us in Washington, D.C. on Thursday, March 9th through Sunday, March 12th. And included in your registration will be access to all of the tours, the accessible tours that we have available. It'll be the transportation to and from. It'll be interacting in focus groups, uh, with our exhibitors and vendors, like the Space Telescope Science Institute, uh, 
um, sharing the, the work that they've done to make the data and images from the Hubble Space Telescope and the James Webb Space Telescope accessible for people with disabilities. It will be some of our partners helping to make remote accessible voting technology uh, accessible to people who are blind and low vision, certainly more accessible than voting uh, by mail with a paper ballot. We have many more um, participants that we will be announcing here in the coming days to make this worth your while. So please join us. Join us for the uh, Accessible Currency Rally that will be held on Friday, March 10th. Join us for all of the events throughout the virtual DC Leadership Conference as well as the in-person portion of the Leadership Conference. Again, that information is available along with so much more on the ACB website at acb.org. All right, folks, I did it. I was contractually obligated to do it. That's your plug for the DC Leadership Conference. And now we are going to continue our recap of the 2023 Consumer Electronics Show. Uh, that was held the, the first week of January of this year. And again, uh, the American Council of the Blind was invited to participate as part of the Accessibility Leaders Cohort organized by the Consumer Technology Association Foundation. I really enjoyed the conversation last week on last week's podcast with Kat Zygmunt from World Institute on Disability. Uh, unfortunately, the podcast had to end at, at some time. Otherwise, I could have kept speaking with Kat, and hopefully she enjoyed it as well, um, recapping our time and our experiences at CES. Uh, but I am excited to share with you this additional conversation with Greg Stilson, head of global technology innovation for the American Printing House for the Blind. Greg, how are you doing today? I am awesome, man. Just just recovering my voice from CES, so uh, doing good. That is great. Greg, why don't you tell us a little bit about your role at APH? APH, for those of you who don't know, is uh, we actually just celebrated our 165th birthday uh, the other day. Um, we are the longest-running nonprofits uh, providing materials for students and teachers uh, uh, who are visually impaired uh, in the education sector. So um, we are a federally funded organization uh, that um, is, uh, we, we basically design materials that is, I would say, the lowest of the low tech. So things like braille paper and, uh, you know, manipulatives and things that facilitates education um, all the way up to high tech things like refreshable braille displays and low vision magnifying tools and things like that. So. Um, for anyone who's visually impaired here in the U.S., my guess is that you probably have used, in many cases, uh, APH products in your in your past education career. Thanks, Greg. I, I know I certainly grew up with APH, uh, with uh, large print, books on tape, um, you know, the multi-track cassette players, absolutely, yep. and and many more. So yeah. they. Definitely appreciate the the great work that EPH does. Uh, what about 
being the head of global technology innovation. Uh, what does that mean for a company like APH? My, my department is made up of really three, it's sort of a three-pronged approach. So we have technical product managers, we have uh, quality assurance analysts, and we have software engineers. And so one part of APH that folks may not be as aware of is, is really our, our investment in technology. And um, what, what my team does is really look at the landscape in the education space and look at say, saying, okay, where, where can APH design technology solutions that other organizations are not designing? Um, where can we sort of fill the gaps to ensure that students are learning at the same uh, pace as their cited peers? And so our, our group of technical product managers works alongside the community to um, generate ideas or, or product concepts. And really where global technology innovation was developed in, in 2020 is to sort of keep the technology initiatives and focus in one department so that a product can, can go from ideation all the way to, to launch and, and, you know, living on its own um, under, under our, our sort of roof for our department uh, within APH. Um, it's a really cool department because, uh, uh, you know, our president, Craig Metter, and, and the executive team has given me a lot of um, sort of leash to, to try new things, right? It's almost like a startup within a 165-year-old company, which is a, a lot of fun. We, we get to try a lot of new stuff, try uh, a lot of partnerships, and that's really where my department really excels is working with um, technology vendors, hardware manufacturers, software consultants, where we um, may not have that expertise. We have software engineers, but, um, you know, one example is, you know, there's a, a huge investment in AI, right? And, and on my staff, I don't have uh, any true AI um, experts yet. <laughs> that may change, but uh, we have a lot of partnerships with mainstream companies that may specialize in, in AI and things like that. So. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a really fun department to be in. We get to try a lot of new stuff, and uh, I, you know we release some some really cool products. You and I had the opportunity to connect at the Consumer Electronics Show this year. Was that your first time to CES? So it was my first time actually doing the whole uh, you know manning the booth and going around to the uh, different different. Um, convention center booths and things like that. I was um, formerly when I was, uh, I ran product at IRA. Um, when IRA won Best of Innovation, I went to CES and got a glimpse of the, <laughs> the insanity that is CES um, when we were doing some media things and, and such, but I hadn't had the opportunity to actually go do the whole booths uh, visiting and, and seeing just just how massive this conference really is. Like that was the part that I think blew me away as a, as a blind person myself is just the sheer size of this whole thing. Um, so this was my first time uh, actually getting out and, and seeing as much as I could possibly see. And that was certainly before the pandemic. So my Correct. first year, last year, there was around 45,000 people. And here in 2023, uh, the the last number I heard was 105,000 attendees with over 3,000 exhibitors. Yeah, but it's a, before it's a the pandemic, game. there were north of 4,000 exhibitors and 
pushing 180,000 attendees. <laughs> it's it's just mind-boggling when you go when you see that many people and just the the hum that was, I think, my first reality check, right, is being a, a blind person, just walking in these massive halls and hearing the just the hum of so many people was just awe-inspiring. So, Greg, why is it important for an organization like APH to have a presence at CES? So, yeah, it's, it's a good question. You know, a lot of people, and it was funny because you know, on our sign, it says American Printing House for the Blind. And so, so many people who know nothing about our industry, about blindness, about who APH is, walk up and they're like, oh, well, we're in printing. And I'm like, oh, this is, <laughs> you know, the first thing they see on the stand is like Code Jumper, a tool that that helps blind students learn to code, right? So they're coming here to learn about our printing capacity and they're seeing coding tools on the stand. So it is a, it is a little bit of a, a uh, a, not a secret, but people don't really associate APH with technological innovation. And that's something that um, we really want to kind of push out there and say, you know, this is, this is a big piece of what we do. And we know that the, one of the, the, the best ways to sort of level that educational playing field is through education. And so, and we're pretty proud of the stuff that we're doing. We were there to, um, to really showcase some of our road to code initiatives. So we had products like Code Jumper, uh, like the accessible Code and Go mouse, which is a fun little toy that uh, teaches really young students who are blind, uh, sort of that foundational uh, organizational thinking in relation to coding. Um, and that was a big hit. People thought that that was really cool uh, to, to see how a blind student could set up these courses and have this uh, robot mouse kind of navigate these courses, you know, providing coding instructions. Um, and then, of course, we had our, our Monarch, Mon excuse me, Monarch project, which we just released the name during CES. Um, and that is our formerly known dynamic tactile device, uh, the device that's capable of rendering multiple lines of Braille and tactile graphics on the same surface. So um, it was it was a great showing, I would say. We had a, a, a <laughs> a lot of excitement from both folks in our field and mainstream people who just really knew nothing about any of the technology things that we do. That is awesome. Uh, how were those products received by the attendees and other exhibitors at, and the media at the Consumer Electronics Show? So we had, um, there, there was some folks from our field there uh, that we that we were able to sit down and actually give demonstrations and and um, there was just a, a lot of excitement there a lot of kind of shock and awe feel I I know you got a chance to to get your hands on it a little bit yeah I'm um, I'm raising my hand right now yeah yeah, yeah well and, and maybe I'll I'll, uh, I'll 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 wrap on the uh, the other products I think folks in our field generally know a little bit more about what APH does from the technology side and especially uh, our efforts related to coding and electronics and things like that, um, where, you know, this was sort of the first real unveiling, public unveiling of the Monarch. And that's really where we had some folks from MIT taking a look at it. And, and uh, you know, you, you saw it yourself. So I, I guess I'll spin the question back to you, uh, Clark. And what was your first impression when you saw the Monarch? I guess the uh, first impression's a little bit misleading, right? Because uh, 
you all at APH are close partners of ACB. So we've had a sense of what you are developing to help our members and to help the the broader community, especially in the in the educational space. This was the first time that I was able to get hands on with the monarch and have the refreshable braille and image display in unit with the side controls. Uh, my first impression is like, this is a souped up Sega Game Gear. You know, I don't know if you if you had one of those growing up. Absolutely. My sister, yeah, yeah, my sister yeah. had um, the the Nintendo Game Boy. I had it had a Game Gear. It was a little bit bigger. Screen was a little bit bigger. I had a magnifier on it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but similar form factor, just a little bit, little bit bigger, almost like the size of an old laptop. Right. I love the the comparison to the size that that you said. Yeah, it's like a it's a 15 inch gaming laptop is what I what I kind of equated to. Um, and- or a or a single volume of Braille. Right. <laughs> That's a very true statement. When you <laughs> when you close the case of the device, it flips closed and there's magnets that keep it closed and such. But when you actually hold it up, it looks like a single volume of Braille when it's closed in the case. It's it's kind of eerie. And we did that by accident, I will say. And to have an environment now where all students are receiving either tablets or uh, mini laptops for their their schooling and their education, to have a tool like this for students who are blind, students who are low vision, where Braille text can be rendered, um, graphs, charts for math, science, economics can be rendered, or graphics for geography or uh, nature, anything else, all all being rendered on the same screen of the same device with the ability to zoom in, zoom out is, is just phenomenal. Yeah, it was it was kind of a reality check for me. We were we were speaking with a, a teacher of the visually impaired who was there, and and she had mentioned that the average TVI may teach around twenty to twenty five graphics a year to a student. And now, because of the connection this device will have with the tactile graphics image library, um, just by doing a search within the tactile viewer application, they're going to have upwards of 17,000 graphics at their disposal that they could take a look at at any point in time. And so it just it changes the pure accessibility of tactile graphics in general. You don't have to wait to have graphics created or embossed. Uh, you literally will be able to search for a boron atom or, or a, you know something like that and be able to or element and be able to to see it pop up on your display. Um, so one of the examples I kind of gave uh, some folks there is with with you know the World Cup just completing. I personally had never seen what a soccer pitch actually looked like, where the lines were, and any of that kind of stuff. So I searched on the tactile graphics image library and and found an image of a tactile graphic rend- rendering of a soccer field, and I didn't realize that you know there was a big circle in the middle for kickoffs and things like that right so you just being able to to do a search and instantly have access to a tactile representation of a a graphic that you're looking for changes the game uh in regards to to what we've been used to and i I just heard a news story recently that paper maps are making a comeback 
Uh, maybe that's just due to the the inaccuracy of uh, other common commercially available uh, GPS mapping applications. But how great is it for uh, individuals, students, or adults to have access to a tactile rendering of a map that they can zoom in or zoom out of, um, just like you did with the soccer pitch, just to to build that that knowledge base. Yeah, and you know this is just the the we're just touching the surface, right? Our goal today, and when we release this product, is is to support the tactile graphics that exist today, the ones that are designed by tactile graphics artists and things like that. But you mentioned zooming in and out, right? And that's something that these are concepts that, especially someone who is born blind, they've never done. They they don't have a grasp of what that that is, right? Panning around a graphic that is zoomed in, or you know, being able to navigate a graphic in that fashion is just a skill that's never been created uh, for somebody who's been born blind. And so, in many ways, we're going to, especially in the education community, be teaching entirely new concepts, right? Which requires training of teachers and you know best practices in, in teaching these com- uh, concepts and things like that. But it also unlocks new dynamic graphic concepts that we've never had access to before, and that are you know things like layering concepts within a graphic now so if you can imagine right let's go back to your map concept right if you take a google maps approach to this and you say okay let's just look at what uh, a, a map of the continents looks like okay and now you zoom into a continent and now you've unlocked new data related to the countries that are in that continent right and you zoom in a little further and now you zoomed in on a country and you've now unlocked its available states or, or things like that, right? So being able to create these layered graphics, um, you know, using, using formats like SVG and things like that, give us access to information that we've only previously been able to, to, to access through multiple pages of paper graphics. If, if, does that make sense? Absolutely. It's, I don't want to overuse exciting and, and awesome, but that's exactly what it is. I know that there's a, a lot of folks in our community that are very eager to get their hands on one of these devices, uh, maybe for themselves, maybe they'll share it with their kids, uh, <laughs> maybe they'll actually use it in the classroom. Uh, but it, I think it it just speaks to the the potential and the uh, the innovative work that you all are doing to be able to provide equitable access to educational materials for students who are blind and low vision. Yeah. And this, you know, I can't, I can't stress enough that this is not APH doing this in a silo. We've, um, we, we partnered with, uh, with a hardware manufacturer, uh, Humanware, who is our partner in this project. And they are not just a partner, but they're an equal investor in this project. And that's something that I, I, I can't um, underscore enough. Uh, you know, the humanware is is valuing what this project is in the education space, and they're putting skin in the game. They're they're putting their own money into this, into the investment. You know, when this is said and done, we <clears throat> we predict that we're going to collectively invest probably anywhere from six to nine million dollars into this project, right? And it's um, it's a massive risk humanware is willing to take with us. But we're very confident in the underlying technology, and I, I, I have to give a nod to, to Dot Incorporated out of South Korea, who 
has created a cell technology that we use in this uh, device that um, that enables us to be able to do this type of thing that's never been done before. Be able to to create these equidistant pins that have the refresh rate, and also the other thing that we heard from both community, you know, blindness field community members, along with the mainstream, is just how quiet the device is. Uh, you know, we've heard other technologies out there that that um, tries to 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 accomplish this, and the volume of from the noise that is created is is significantly louder in, in these other technologies that have tried to do this before us. And so to be able to to create a technology that has the re refresh rate um, and the the, the I'm not, I'm quietness, if you will, or the, the low decibel that's out there, um, I got to give a nod to DOT because they've done a, a, a real innovation here. Greg, you mentioned that APH is not working in a vacuum, uh, that you are collaborating with uh, partners in the manufacturing space, as well as, uh, much like at the Consumer Electronics Show, re reaching out to the public, sharing it with uh, teachers of the visually impaired and other organizations and representatives of people and for people who are blind. Another area of collaboration that APH participated in at the Consumer Electronics Show was the Accessibility Leaders Roundtable. Uh, that was before you got sequestered to your, your exhibit and ven vendor booth area for the whole show. Just curious to hear uh, your thoughts, any takeaways that you or APH had from that Accessibility Leaders Roundtable? You know, it was my first time attending the roundtable. Um, I think uh, w what, what it showed me is that everybody at that roundtable, you know, we, our hearts are all in the right place. Um, and we're looking to uh, improve improve accessibility, you know, at, at both the, the large scale uh, federal level and think all the way down to our own companies. And I think the, the one thing that I, I can take away is that as leaders, we all really take pride in making sure that we, um, we do right by our own, you know, we, we, we walk the walk, if you will, right? And, and there was a number of companies that even as leaders uh, within our own companies, we 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 still don't get it right all the time and we we all sort of strive to to get better um i can speak you know our, our president craig metter even um sort of publicly said you know we're we're the american printing house for the blind and not all of our systems are accessible and that's something that we're undergoing a massive investment into technology and systems to make sure that you know, we, we, we talk the talk, but we want to make sure that we're also walking the walk as well. And there was, that was sort of echoed throughout the room as well, that um, there's this initiative that making, making, if, if we, if we truly are regarded as leaders in this field, um, we need to make sure that, that we also uh, listen to our own speech there. That's great to hear as it connects directly with an advocacy initiative and legislative imperative of the American Council of the Blind. But I also think it was really important for uh, the other companies in the room, as well as our host, the Consumer Technology Association. Uh, a lot of folks in Washington, D.C. hear from advocacy organizations that 
our students, uh, working age people who are blind uh, or older Americans who are blind uh, really have issues accessing a lot of these third party uh, software applications, you know, e-learning platforms, mm -hmm. uh, HR and payroll systems or uh, the health platforms and uh, patient portals, electronic health records in the, in the health setting. But to hear companies saying like, yeah, this, this is a problem for us too, is, is really in, encouraging. It also shows an area of, of common ground that uh, certainly I hope that we can get it resolved. We're, we'll continue advocating to get it resolved, uh, but a, a great opportunity just to raise that awareness and education of of that broad and systemic issue. So thank you for yeah, highlighting yeah. that. I didn't even pay him, folks, to, to <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, there was this common, you know, we're looking for a, a new ERP system and, uh, you know, to complement and, and looking to complement our payroll system and things like that, that, um, you know, may, that, that currently are not the most accessible. And when we talked about that or when Craig brought this up, there was probably four or five other companies that that echoed that and said, "Hey, if you find one, let us all know." You know, it's like this, you know, hive mind kind of thing where you're trying to say, "Okay, whoever finds it first, let everybody else know, so we can we can kind of jump on board as well." So it it is a common issue, and um, we we're really hopeful that that this legislation, making sure that a lot of these systems and and especially the web in general, um, you know, is is accessible and and does open up not only access to this information, but access to jobs, right? Um, being able to ensure that the blind people can do the jobs that they're, that they're, you know, paid to do without having to fight with all these systems. All right, Greg, other than code jumper and Monarch and all of the cool stuff that APH was showcasing, showcasing at the consumer electronics show, what other neat stuff did you either hear about? Or did you, happen upon or have a chance to experience while at CES? It's a good question, man. There's so much. And I will say, as I was, as I was walking around with a, a sighted colleague, what I realized is that it's almost as hard for them to understand what a company at a booth does <laughs> as it is for us. And the reason I say that is because normally, like, the, the signage at the booth should say, like, uh, you know, what your company does, right? But it doesn't say that. What a lot of these companies have said is it's, they put all these buzz, buzzwords where they're like AI, tech for good, med tech, blah, blah, blah. And you have literally no clue what these companies do until you walk up to their booth and actually talk to somebody. And it's it's hard to like filter through the companies you want to see as you're like walking down the aisles and things like that. But uh, a couple cool things that i saw um one i was really jazzed up about um is a company called contact ci that was in the lvcc kind of near us um, and what they do uh, is they created a a haptic glove and i've seen the sort of start of this a few years ago with these haptic gloves and, and trying to kind of complement VR and things like that. What this company does, and I think they have Department of Defense contracts and things like that, is they created a haptic glove that not only has, you know, haptic sensors on your fingertips where you'd feel things, but also has haptic sensors uh, on the backs of your fingers. 
to simulate resistance. And what they do is their primary business is creating a simulation for uh, fighter pilots to learn how to fly uh, fighter jets and, and interact with the controls and things like that in a virtual setting. So they, they wear a VR headset and then they put these gloves on. And what it does is it simulates the actual clicks, the, the pulls of the lever, the, the feedback that you get from pushing on the flight sticks and things like that. Um, actually, with these haptic gloves, in my mind, immediately went to, you know, today here at APH, right? Like, we, we send out manipulative kit, kits for things like uh, shapes and geometry and, and actually creating, like, 3D plastic pyramids that blind kids can feel and things like that. And so my mind immediately goes to like, how can we use a, a tool like this or this type of technology to literally simulate touching a 3D object and like giving a blind student that that physical experience of, because that's generally how you teach tactile graphics, right? You go from 3D to 2D so mm -hmm. that a student can understand like this is a pyramid, this is a triangle, and now here's a triangle on a piece of paper. What if we could put a glove on and say, um, you know, here's what a sphere feels like. Here's what a pyramid feels like. Here's what a whatever. And you instantly now have access to touching these, these experiences without needing to ship out, you know, these, these <laughs> cases of, of shapes and plastic pieces and stuff, such like that. So that was one, it was, I mean, just the pure technology was incredible. You could, their demo was like you were picking up a ball and you could actually feel the ball in your hand and you would run your hand under running water and you could like feel the water hitting your fingertips and stuff. It was, it was incredible. So that was, that was one thing that just blew me away because I had seen the start of these haptic gloves back in 2018, 2019. And to, just to see where we are today, about five years later was truly incredible. That's really interesting. And also, uh, really tells where where your mind's at and how you're always looking to uh, innovate the products and services of of APH as well. It, you mentioned the the work that APH is doing with artificial intelligence. I, now I'm almost thinking, okay, take a, a haptic glove, take a, a camera with some optical character recognition. I could. Do you think that we could get to a point where someone with a haptic glove could run their fingers over standard prints and feel uh, feel Braille? You know, it, I think we're we're getting there. Braille. The one thing that we're seeing is haptics are not fine grain enough to simulate the 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 Braille dot yet, and that's where. Uh, because quite honestly, when we when we put out the request for information for the Monarch technology uh, back in 2020, that was really where my mind was going. Is I thought that we were not going to settle on pin technology. I thought that we were to a point where haptics were going to be able to to create this um, this this Braille experience. And the realities were just we're just not there yet with regard to the, the fine grain um, simulation of a Braille, Braille pin yet. Um, I do believe you're to the point where you probably could feel uh, the outline of, of a print letter um, 
but I don't think we're quite there yet to the tiny simulation yet of a Braille dot. All right. Well, you and I will keep workshopping that one. Absolutely. I, I mean, that's 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 really where we want to get to, right? <laughs> I mean, that's how you bring the cost down and all this. But I but I am I I do believe we are very close to, you know, coming up with a way where a, a blind student could feel like, you know, in the we always talk about the impromptu learning situations, and and that's really where I'm excited for the monarch because there's so many times in the classroom where a teacher of the visually impaired is doing these amazing acrobatics to be able to generate a tactile graphic on the fly using these, you know, run of the mill things like rubber bands and thumbtacks and things like that to create a, a tactile graphic. And so a device like the Monarch, they'll be able to actually quickly draw a graphic um, using an app that we're creating and be able to put it on the Monarch just in to facilitate some of this impromptu learning. But we're not far away from saying, okay, classroom teacher, uh, you know, you're showing a, an image of an airplane. Let's find a 3D rendering of that airplane and, and put on this glove and be able to actually feel it. I, I'm just sitting here with a big smile right now um, and now trying to, to refocus uh, with the, the announcement of the Monarch and showcasing the the Monarch, formerly known as the Dynamic Tactile Display at the Consumer Electronics Show, you've really picked off 2023 on, on a high note. What can folks expect from APH as we go forward here the rest of the year? So our Monarch journey will continue. We are There are only two Monarchs alpha units in the world right now, so we anticipate having the first run of beta units here in the in the coming months we expect between march and may to have a few of them uh and then there's going to be a second and a third wave throughout the rest of the year our hope is to start field testing these units um in the fall of this year in the fall semester with actual students and teachers um and one thing we are going to be doing in 2024 which is something that APH has not done is we're actually going to put 200 teachers through a actual monarch training course where they will go to regional locations they will go through this monarch training course on how to teach concepts that the monarch can teach and how to actually utilize the product and and you know use it to its full potential and because of some funding that we have through the center of assistive technology training um, we'll be able to actually uh, for, for, for teachers, they will walk out with a monarch of their own that they will be able to actually um, have themselves. Because what we find is that, you know, these teachers um, can often be the gatekeepers of the technology, right? And if a teacher is not comfortable or is concerned about teaching this product, um, they may not recommend that product for their student. And so our, our goal of sort of circumventing that or, or, or achieving full understanding of this product is to basically say, look, go through our courses and you can walk out and have your own monarch that, that you can learn and understand how to use yourself as a teacher so that you can teach it properly. And so that our hope is to happen in the first half of 2024. But, um, but that's, that's kind of where we, we plan on going. Our, our target launch for the monarch is going to be uh, end of 2024 um, barring, barring the supply chain, I will say. So 
Well, Greg, thanks for joining us for this conversation. Thank you for sharing uh, news about the monarch and uh, your experience, uh, personal experience, but also experience representing the American Printing House for the Blind at this year's Consumer Electronics Show. Thanks so much for having me, Clark. Great talking to you. Once again, a, a big thank you to Greg Stilson for his time and sharing his experience as part of APH at the 2023 Consumer Electronics Show. Uh, we will uh, certainly provide an opportunity sometime here in the future for ACB members to get hands-on with a lot of the innovative technologies that Greg and his team and the rest of the folks at APH are uh, developing, distributing, including the Monarch Dynamic tactile device. I think, I think it's going to blow a lot of people away. So once again, uh, a big thank you to, to Kat and Greg, as well as the Consumer Technology Association and their foundation for allowing ACB to participate, interact, and share our experiences with the uh, thousands of vendors and over 100,000 attendees at the 2023 Consumer Electronics Show. And thank you all for listening to this podcast. As always, if you have any questions, advocacy-related questions, uh, questions about registering for the DC Leadership Conference, perhaps, in early March of 2023, you can always email us at advocacy at acb.org. And until next time, keep advocating. Thanks for listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. You can reach us by emailing advocacy at acb.org. The ACB Advocacy Update is a production of the American Council of the Blind in Alexandria, Virginia. To learn more about ACB, visit us online at www.acb.org. Thank you.